Welcome to the Urban Ed Podcast. I'm your host, Bahati Banks. Today's show is an interview with Dr. Gulnexar Muhammad regarding her research about African-American adolescents and female literacies. Dr. Muhammad, an assistant professor in the Department of Middle and Secondary Education, strives to shape the national conversation for educating youth who have been historically underserved and supporting the next generation of graduate students seeking practical and intellectual pathways to meet some of the most pressing challenges encountered in urban schools. For more information about the middle and secondary education graduate programs at Georgia State University, please visit the department's website at mse.education.gsu.edu. So you started your career as a reading language arts and social studies middle school teacher in 2003. How did that experience influence your decision to pursue a leadership role in literacy education? Well, teaching the content areas of reading, English, language arts, and social studies really cultivated a a love for literacy and history and a love for learning and seeking new knowledge. Um, It helped me to understand how much I love this work, how much I love designing curriculum, how much I just love um, personal and academic growth for the child. And, and then serving as a, a teacher and a literacy coach and a district administrator, um, it just kind of reaffirmed this passion I had for um, positioning myself to be in a greater capacity to serve youth teachers in urban schools. And so I knew I had to, in order to put myself in a, a capacity for greater service, um, I knew I had to um, position myself to be challenged and a bit uncomfortable. Mm. Because, you know, when you're uncomfortable, you really learn a lot about yourself and um, it really just pushes your thinking. And so that was my graduate program in language, literacy, and culture. And, and it was important for me to just be in a space where I could um, just push my own thinking to to be in a position to help with the transformation of schools. Mm-hmm. School districts, especially many public schools, are really framed around um, positivist or linear practices that mm-hmm. don't all the time serve um, youth well. Mm-hmm. And this can be intellectually constraining. And I felt when I was a teacher and an administrator, I didn't understand um, why aren't we pushing past these things? Mm-hmm. Why, are, why are we having more prescriptive forms of education? And that was painful. And mm-hmm. so that really pushed me in to go back to go back to school to get my PhD and to start writing more, um, to use sort of my pen as a tool Mm -hmm. to help teachers and other um, educators and administrators to think differently about the way we um, educate youth, especially in literacy education. So pursuing a different type of leadership role really afforded me the liberty to work very differently in schools and communities. So after receiving your doctorate in literacy, language, and culture in 2013 from the University of Illinois at Chicago, You joined the college as an assistant professor of language and literacy in the middle and secondary education department. Why did you decide to teach and conduct your research at Georgia State as opposed to another institution? Mm -hmm. I decided to teach and research and serve here at Georgia State um, for many different reasons. The first is just that the energy that the city of Atlanta gave me (laughs) and the rich history that it carries. Mm -hmm. Um, I love the fact that Georgia State is positioned in the heart of the city and in many ways it it serves as the epitome of urbanness and um, 
which I knew would allow me to to be on the pathway of my goals. And so beyond thinking about urban ed and urban education and just defining what urban is beyond uh, in terms of geography is also a space of cultural and linguistic diversity and mm-hmm. resources. In urban areas, there's a history of creativity, uniqueness, and cultural capital mm. um, to be explored. Um, there's this abundantness of rich narratives and cultures and, and histories. And um, in urban areas like this one of Georgia State University, there's also a history of inequities within populations who have been marginalized. Mm-hmm. So this really connects to my research agenda. Um, so really to know urban education, you have to know the history of race, class, gender, and literacy and language in the country. And my research agenda really focuses and centers on those things. Mm-hmm. And so I felt that Georgia State, in my mind, um, could be a space to con- that I can contribute to, mm-hmm. but could also develop and cultivate my own learning. And so in this way, it's sort of like this beautiful reciprocity. (laughs) And I knew that an urban institution like Georgia State um, is a place for transformation, Mm. especially when we think about urban education. Mm -hmm. And to do, to really engage in true transformation of urban schools, it has to be collaborative. Transformative work has to be collaborative. And um, and so I was excited by the professors who are already here doing very rich and engaging work. uh, and I knew that it would allow me to be position myself in communities to do community-engaged scholarship. Mm-hmm. And so it's not my goal for my research to merely sit in research journals. Um, I, I implant myself in communities, um, the same communities that my research participants are a part of, um, on a daily and weekly basis. I'm very much involved. And, um, and so Georgia State allows me to do that. It allows me to be a part of these communities and... Um, and not be isolated in, in, in my striving toward improved practices in urban ed. Okay. Mm-hmm. Now, for those people who are listening, could you define what urban education means to you? Yeah. So, um, and, and, and it, it is all those things I named, right? It is, um, it is a space for cultural and linguistic diversity. Um, It is a space of diversity of thought. Mm -hmm. Um, When you think of urban, I I think of richness of of difference. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And and so many times, even when people think about moving to cities or urban areas, they move because of the excitement that it brings, the opportunities for culture and diversity and uniqueness. and um, for rich narratives and a rich history. And that's what urban is. And when you pair that with education, um, it's just a way of teaching and learning to bring all that, um, to honor all of those things, Mm -hmm. but to also advance all those things and use those things as, all those things that I named, Mm -hmm. as resources to um, advance the education of youth and also the education of teachers because it's it's a reciprocal relationship of learning. And so, um, yeah, urban education is all those things. It, it's, it's about transformation and change and just enriched learning. Okay. Um, it, it's not a place where everybody looks the same, thinks the same way. Um, it is it, it's not very linear. It's dynamic. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. so Georgia State is, the, is, the, is a wonderful place to, to thrive within that 
that that space and in that conceptualization of urban education. Okay, perfect. Thank you for explaining that. <laughs> Your research focuses on the writing and identity development of African American girls. Could you explain what this means and why this topic is necessary? Mm-hmm. So I explore the purpose and power of language and writing, specifically why black women have written historically, and I compare that to the purposes and the reasons why black adolescent girls write today. Um, I focus on writing because I feel like writing is the highest form of communication, right? So um, in order to write, you have to typically read think very critically, not only read text, but also read the world around you. You have to um, develop ideas, um, maybe like original ideas, Mm -hmm. um, and then somehow communicate this to print that's going to be shared and understood and interpreted by others. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you have to then share that piece of writing, and that piece of writing is is um, an example and a almost like a, another aspect of yourself. Mm-hmm. So writing is this beautiful art form um, that allows and affords so many different um, critical, cognitive, and social-cultural kinds of literacies. Um, I found that black women have historically written for three different reasons, um, to self-define, to define who they are, to write against and to counter dominant um, dominant perceptions of who they are that's also um, connected to falsehood Mm -hmm. and then they've also written to claim agency or to write for social change Mm -hmm. and I found that black girls write for the same reasons Um, these reasons for writing and identity and representation are all really important in the lives of adolescent youth Mm -hmm. but they're uniquely important for black girls who have um, who have in the media, in literature, in public, have been depicted in very derogatory ways, have been dehumanized. Um, Representations of them are not um, equated with the ways in which they represent their own lives. And they have been very negative. Mm -hmm. And so black women and girls have always used the pen to resist those things. Um, The pen has served as a tool to to protect themselves against those things. And so, you know, I argue that um, instead of... Uh, that classrooms need to be spaces to cultivate this. Mm -hmm. Um, And even if we just look in the media, the recent past, right, Um, instead of focusing on black girls and their brilliance, we have focused on hair, body image. Um, We have dehumanized them. I mean, when we look at, like, Sandra Bland, we look at Michelle Obama, Serena Williams. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, These are young women and women who have done amazing things, yet um, publicly... Uh, media will try to change their narrative, mm-hmm. change their stories. Right. And so black girls need to tell their own stories. They need, they need to define their own lives so they won't be defined by others. Because mm-hmm. um, we know that black girls are affected by this. And so it's a very exciting um, time to do research on black girls because it's very urgent, it's very timely, it's very necessary. Um and if and we need more work in this area, and 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 it not only cultivates a sense of identity development, but also writing development mm-hmm. as well. Mm-hmm. And so um, these are just things that that we need. And and people, great great um, researchers like Kimberly Crenshaw, 
um, our graduate here at Georgia State, um, Sherelle McArthur, our current student, Maya Mache, they're all doing amazing work on black girls right now um, that's very needed, um, and that also inform policy and practice. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. You recently wrote a blog post entitled Black Girls' Lives Matter in Writing too where you encouraged educators to use writing to explore and shape the identities of African-American girls. Could you summarize the key takeaways from the article? Mm -hmm. So I was inspired to write this piece by one of my first research participants my second year in my graduate program, um, Iris. And so I, I ran my first, in 2010, ran my first Black Girls Write Summer Literacy Institute. And Iris was one of my first participants. And so on the first day, she wrote, um, not knowing who you are is the worst feeling in the world. Mm. I'm scared. I'm a little bit afraid that we're going to be writing about identity because I don't know who I am. Mm. And sometimes I cry about it. And so Iris um, also was a girl who achieved well academically, did very well on these high-stakes assessments that we give students. And she really had her choice of higher ed institutions across Mm -hmm. the country. Mm -hmm. And so I I had a colleague push me back and say, well, we don't need to focus on um, youth like Iris because academically she's very successful. We need to put our energies into other youth. Mm -hmm. And so again, in my mind, I heard that black girls don't matter because what this person failed to understand was um, that there's something more to our work as literacy teachers and scholars that goes beyond skills and academic academic achievement, but identity development and, and, and who are we as literacy people, Mm -hmm. right? If we only focus on skills and proficiencies Mm -hmm. or doing well on a test, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. because we know that that alone won't protect us in this world. That sparked me to write about the importance of identity. So the takeaways is, are that black girls matter, um, writing matters and identity matters, Mm -hmm as we create um, instructional practices in and out of classrooms for black girls to write, we need um, writing practices that are not isolated from their identity. They need to write to define who they are. They need to write to resist and fight back against these um, media depictions and portrayals that are not true mm-hmm. or that are simply incomplete mm-hmm. to their lives. And they need to write for agency so that they have some independence and authority over language um, and ways where they can write for social change for themselves and for other people. Um, and so I, I also, in this essay, talk about instructional practices that teachers can take on mm-hmm. that will help with identity and writing among youth particularly with black girls. And so some of the things that I recommend are using mentor and model texts that that they can read from mm-hmm. to show really excellent examples of, of writing. I also uh, suggest for um, to create writing exercises, not activities because mm-hmm. those are very limited, mm-hmm. but writing experiences and exercises that help girls to shape who they are in the world around them mm-hmm. by giving them choice in their writing, but also creating spaces where they write in very uncensored ways. The girls used to tell me, well, our history isn't uncensored. Why would I censor my writing, mm-hmm. you know, and that then becomes very authentic for youth. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also suggest to write from an intellectual space that's connected to um, 
that is grounded in and connected to intellectual growth. Mm -hmm. Um, All of the ways that I approach writing with the girls that I work with are all grounded in learning and knowledge and research. Um, We just don't talk about um, the history of identity, but we explore and we research the ways in which um, black girls have been um, depicted Mm. in in the public eye. Mm. And so these are things that I suggest Mm. in that article that I hope that um, readers can take away from it. So you just told me you recently won a national award in Uh. relation to this article. Could you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, so uh, the National Council of Teachers of English, they do outstanding work. It's a very, very large organization um, that's centered on um, language and literacy and English education Mm -hmm. um, and advancing that among youth but also adults Mm -hmm. as well. Mm -hmm. And so I've I've always been a part of this organization. Um, I first... Um, received a fellowship for cultivating new voices. They give this fellowship out every two years um, for those who they see are um, emerging scholars of color in Mm -hmm. areas of literacy. Mm -hmm. And so myself and colleague Tisha Lewis are both a part of this fellowship um, program. And then um, in 2013, they awarded me the Promising New Researcher Award, which was an award that they saw as someone who they they could see having um, a great impact in the field. Mm -hmm. And so this this previous award last week Mm -hmm. was the Purvis Award, and they give this out every year. Um, It's based on the journal Research in the Teaching of English. Mm -hmm. And um, they look at all of the publications in that journal from the previous year, Mm. and they, they look at which article has the potential to be the most impact to the field, okay. um, uh, what, what is very impacting, what mm-hmm. is um, very new and exciting, provocative kind of research mm-hmm. as well. And so um, they award um, the recipient of this award, but then they also do honorable mentions. Mm-hmm. And so, and I was a part of that. And it was for uh, my piece on Searching for a Full Vision, mm-hmm. the Writing Representations of African-American Girls. And it was the same. That was my dissertation focus. Um, it was the very first piece I wrote out of my um, doctoral experience. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, and my very first piece I wrote here at Georgia State when I came. Awesome. Um, so I was, I'm very humbled by it and honored. And when you look at the other recipients and of, the, of that award is truly, truly exciting, mm. and um, it just is, 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 and it's nice that it's on Black girls that yes. people are really paying attention um, to their needs mm-hmm. and not not continuing the invisibility that we that we have seen with Black girls in education mm-hmm. because we've seen that as well. Mm-hmm. We've seen um, my research also. I also focus on Black boys too, but um, for a very long time we focused so much on them that we've sort of left the the narratives and stories of girls out of the picture. Hmm. And so it's exciting that this work is being honored in that way. Yes. Well, congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) So what are some of the challenges that middle and high school teachers face when addressing this topic in the classroom, and how can they overcome these obstacles? Well, we can talk about schools at large, but specifically in urban schools, you know, it's something that something that I consistently try to instill in my pre-service teachers and mm-hmm. scholars is not to have deficit views of youth, especially youth 
like black girls or black boys who have been historically marginalized. We we get into the the frame the framing of um, always wanting to compare black children with white children. Um, to talk about how much they struggle hmm. um, instead of and these are the same one hit assessments that we we claim to be against in a way that as as teachers and scholars we typically don't don't believe that one assessment can tell the full story of any one person, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. So it's important that we don't use that same one assessment to problematize our work mm. as as researchers, but um, to not always focus on deficit views of, of students. Mm-hmm. Um, teachers must not tell students to check their identities at the door. Mm. And by that I mean that check your identity at the door this classroom will be a space that we don't honor the cultural linguistic diversity of you of mm-hmm. you, <laughs> mm-hmm. right? And so, my class as a teacher in that mindset, my classroom practices will be very linear. Mm-hmm. They will be very unchanging. They'll be very prescriptive. We should never write curriculum before we meet the students. I did that once with the girls with the Black Girls Writing Institute. I wrote mm-hmm. the whole summer curriculum. It was great. It was fun. Uh-huh. It gave me an energy. Uh-huh. And when I met them, I threw it out. Completely, all those hours of work. Wow! Because they needed something different. I had to get to know them. It was a great lesson for me. And I think that teachers um, also can easily just focus on cognitive literacies or skills and proficiencies alone. That's cognitive literacies and skills are very important. We want to cultivate skills and prof- so that students will be proficient readers, writers, and thinkers. Mm-hmm. However, when we stay within that realm, mm-hmm. our instruction falls short. Um, and so I'm currently rewriting the Common Core Standards, and it's been a great intellectual exercise for me. And I'm rewriting it because as the standards currently stand, mm-hmm. they focus on knowledge and skills. But my, my research, um, I look at the historical literacy development of African-American people, mm-hmm. particularly in black literary societies of the early 19th century. Mm-hmm. And I found that education and literacy was cultivated around four goals, mm. and that is skills and proficiencies, knowledge and intellectual development, identity and criticality. Mm. And so I find that teachers focus on, and the standards focus on, the first two, skills Mm. and proficiency and knowledge. But what we fail students with is cultivating a sense of identity and criticality. And by criticality, I mean to read and interrogate the world and text, to see power dynamics, to understand how truth and knowledge is constructed, Mm -hmm. right? To have authority over language and ways to use it for Mm self-determination, self-empowerment, self-reliance. That's what we're missing, and it's so needed in urban schools. And so, you know, I try to help teachers navigate these policies that don't serve students well and to push back on them a bit and to, and to provide them with the standards but provide them more. Mm, mm. Because in many ways, the system wasn't built to really fully serve students who have been historically underserved mm-hmm. or have been historically marginalized. And so we have to go beyond skills and proficiency and intellect. Mm-hmm. We have to prepare students for a very changing and dynamic world, yes. a world that hopefully they'll take some responsibility in helping to shape and improve. Mm-hmm. And so our 
but they can't do that until they know themselves. And so our instruction has to prepare them for that. Mm -hmm. It can't just prepare them to take a test. Mm -hmm. That's easy. I can do that, right? right? We can prepare them for that. But we have to prepare them for their lives more holistically. Mm -hmm. And so I know that's a challenge because... um, you know, my student teachers, um, they tell me a lot that, well, this is how it's written, or I can't go beyond that. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 I help to help them in understanding what the policy actually says. Mm. We can't continue going off of, myth, of myths of what we can and cannot do mm-hmm. in classrooms. We have to um, prepare ourselves to do extraordinarily well and to be different. And, and to know what the policy states, know what the curriculum is. We can't we can't push beyond the curriculum if we don't fully know it and understand it, mm-hmm. and if we don't fully know and understand our our students. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I think one of the best ways to engage in all of that is the type of text you put in front of a child. And so, we used to have this common saying or question Mm. in the urban literacy clinic that um in my graduate program out of all the texts in the world why did you put this in front of a child to learn from Mm. and that text can be the impetus of a lesson plan it can engage students' minds. It can get them excited about the learning. Mm-hmm. It can teach them those four goals of identity development, of skills, of intellect, of, of criticality. Mm-hmm. It could really be the very um, important nucleus mm-hmm. of the mm-hmm. classroom. Mm-hmm. And so um, a lot of my work is now pushing to understanding the types of texts that we put to work with adolescent youth. Okay. And so it's very, very important. Okay. So last question, and that is, which graduate programs in the middle and secondary education department would best serve someone interested in studying this topic? If someone were interested in advancing literacy development through research and scholarship, I would recommend our Ph.D. program in language and literacy. Um, we have a wonderful group of scholars here who work in in various dimensions of literacy, digital literacies, family literacies, um, historical literacies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, anyone who wants to particularly study black girls, English education, and historical literacy development, I would in, <laughs> I would surely invite them to come study with me. Right. Um, we also have wonderful programs, uh, master's programs in English education and in reading language and literacy. And if someone was particularly interested in understanding um, teaching and teacher education and how to prepare the next generation of teachers mm-hmm. and scholars, um, we have a Ph.D. In, in that area as well. So I think it's a wonderful opportunity to, um, to really push thinking and scholarship, especially for those who are interested in pursuing careers in, in research and higher education. Thank you for listening to the Urban Ed Podcast, brought to you by Georgia State University's College of Education and Human Development. If you like today's show, please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, or you can follow us on SoundCloud. For more information about the college's graduate programs, please visit education.gsu.edu.